This is a podcast by The Straits Times and Money FM 89.3. Hello and welcome to The Letter from the Bureau, a special series which is part of The Straits Times Asian Insider podcast channel. I'm your host, ST's foreign editor, Bhagyashree Gareka. Now, the letter from the Bureau is meant to be a detour, a scenic detour from the raging news of the day. We like to talk about life as it goes on amid all the crises around us. I chat each month with one of ST's 30-odd correspondents in 15 cities across the Asia-Pacific, the United States, and Europe. And they share with you interesting trends and events unfolding in their countries. In our ninth episode, we are speaking with ST's Japan correspondent, Walter Sim. Good to have you on the show again, Walter. Thanks for having me, Bagya. Okay, I got a kick out of knowing that, you know, Japan has some 4 million vending machines uh, from your recent article. Uh, So that's one for every 30 people in Japan. And I thought that was quite amazing. And it does confirm, you know, what we think of Japan as the land of the vending machines. Uh, But you say in your article that this is a drop from over five and a half million some 20 years ago. So does that mean the lure of the vending machine is fading in Japan? Well, I don't think it's so much that the lure of the vending machine is fading. As you pointed out earlier, Japan still has one vending machine for every 30 people and still has the world's densest concentration of vending machines. And these machines are still highly popular given their high accessibility as well as convenience for the public. And one clear sign, I think, that the lure is definitely not fading is how local media and variety shows are devoting plenty of airtime and column inches each time a new fancy vending machine um, is on the market. But I, I do see several factors behind the drop. Firstly, Japan has a shrinking demographic and market saturation would definitely have played a part in the decline. Um, Also, the older vending machines of decades ago are being phased out since they are increasingly costly to maintain and the parts may not necessarily be available. This means that they may not be replaced by newer ones. But uh, one interesting recent trend is that this has helped to contribute nationwide a growing trend of, of aficionados trying to preserve such older machines and there are whole areas that are being dedicated to them. Uh, One other factor, and I think this is the biggest factor behind the decline, is how vending machines that dispense alcohol as well as tobacco used to be very common on the streets in the past, but there has been a noticeable drop in recent years. And this comes amid the national effort to clamp down on smoking and drinking, especially amongst underage youth. And so these have all but disappeared pretty much on the streets. Okay, Walter. So how was it that Japan, as you say, turned into this country with the densest concentration of vending machines in the first place. So if you can help us with a bit of history there, it'd be great. Based on my research, the first vending machine in Japan uh, was one that dispensed tobacco and it appeared in the 1880s during the Meiji era. That is no longer in existence, however. The the oldest one that still remains in existence is now on display at a museum in Tokyo. And this was built in 1904 by an inventor, Koshichi Tawaraya, and that used to dispense postcards and stamps. However, it was only after World War II during the economic boom that the machines really took off. And first, it was American beverage giant Coca-Cola that brought 
the machines into Japan en masse in the 1960s, which you would remember was an era where there was a growing middle class and uh, an overall buoyant mood in society. That was the era when uh, Tokyo held its first Olympic Games in 1964 and, and how society also saw massive innovations such as the Shinkansen bullet train. Um, so later in that decade, Japan also began to put 100 yen coins in mass circulation, um, thus making vending machine purchases all the more convenient. Um, what further added to the boom is Japan's very own twist to the vending machine. In 1974, it created its first vending machine that can dispense both hot and cold drinks within the same unit. Uh, and in the in the decade since, we see vending machines being used in really all sorts of things, be it in eateries, uh, casual eateries to dispense food tickets, uh, be it at train stations, of course, that dispense train tickets, as well as the gacha capsule, toy capsule balls, which I, I think is universally associated with Japan. That's right. So yes, we do have the, we don't call them gacha, but I think we do have those. I see them, you know, around 7-Elevens, those, the gacha machines, as you call them. And of course, Singapore has also seen a number of new things coming out of vending machines. So in our office, we do have something that gives out hot sandwiches and salads. Oh, And we've got in my neighborhood, something that dispenses cold cuts and I think even crabs, if I'm not mistaken. Well, that's interesting. So, and this is something we've seen these things change over the last few years. But in Japan, um, what kind of new things are the machines coming out? And what kinds of things, you mentioned tobacco, alcohol, of course, but what kinds of new things are, have just been phased out? I don't, I haven't really noticed anything uh, that has been phased out beyond alcohol and tobacco, to be honest. But in terms of the newer vending machines, I, I do see a growing trend of machines that have an inherent entertainment value uh, and provide some sort of a lottery. So uh, so the buyer really does not know what would eventually be dispensed from the machine uh, when, when they when they slot in their note or insert their loose change. So one such instance recently, especially uh, during the COVID-19 pandemic, was how uh, we, we have budget career peach airlines offering trips to unknown destinations. So what, what happens is that the buyer goes to a gacha uh, dispenser, a toy capsule uh, dispenser, insert some loose change, and they'll get a capsule that basically encompasses a destination which, uh, well, they wouldn't have known when they bought the capsule. So this this kind of mystery destination trip, I, I think, have an inherent entertainment value. Uh, we also see a matchmaking agency offering romance prospects via a vending machine. Uh, it, it kind of bewilders me, really, because uh, I, I kind of felt that this seems quite analog, but whatever works, I suppose. Uh, and that has also been a caviar dispenser that offers a 1 in 30 chance of winning a big portion of the delicacy. So I, I do see this growing trend of machines with this entertainment value, I think. It's amazing. Actually, I'd be quite um, tempted, I think, to go in for what you call the lottery machines. So, you know, just in case I win a ticket to Hawaii or something. And then, uh, yeah, caviar sounds interesting, though. I mean, doesn't that spoil very quickly? So I'm wondering, I mean, they, they must really have to be very careful. It must cost them a lot to, um, you know, have it, have it good and fresh and ready to dispense. What I've heard is that the caviar machine is actually surprisingly quite popular. And, and so how it works is that 
uh, there are different there are different denominations really. So, uh, for two thousand yen, which translates to about twenty two to twenty four Singapore dollars, um, you could either get a ten gram portion of caviar, or if you are lucky, get a hundred gram portion of caviar, which is worth eighteen thousand five hundred yen. So that's a one in thirty chance of winning that bigger portion. And from what I understand, the machine actually reaps in revenue of about fifty. 80,000 yen on an average day. So wow. I, I do think the turnover is pretty pretty fast, I suppose. 50,000 yen would be how many Sing dollars for to get out of a single machine? Yes, that's that's about 600 Singapore dollars. I've just done a quick check. Wow, that's that's uh, that looks like very good business to me at least. And and so what do you do? Are you one of those who sneaks out for a caviar or what do you turn to vending machines for? Not at all, really. And, and I, I think I'm really very <laughs> conventional. So mostly I get drinks from vending machines. Oh, and, and, I, and I should add that I'm a huge fan of the hot coffee dispensers at um, expressway parking areas. So they, they really do a mean latte, which is, which is really thick and foamy. And I am bewildered by how they actually manage to produce such a good cup of latte at, at a hot coffee vending machine. Well, that's something I think we need in Singapore. I haven't found a good coffee dispensing machine at all anywhere. So I'd sign up for it if, if it was available. But I was just thinking, you know, I mean, we're living in the COVID times and I suppose it's only logical to expect that, you know, vending machines would become even more popular, right? So the dining establishments are closed or their hours are curtailed. And then um, basically the government is asking you to minimize physical interactions, right? So a vending machine is, is in a way a personification of that. So was it the case that vending machine sales went really up during the last two years? Yes, definitely. And, and I, I think that has also fueled a demand in uh, a growing number of vending machines that dispense frozen packed meals by eateries, especially chain eateries. What they do is to really freeze pack their meals uh, that are then sold in vending machines, which customers can access round the clock at all times. And this helps these businesses curtail, as what you mentioned earlier, government requests to shorten their the operational hours. And I do think this is really quite a smart move on numerous counts. So firstly, um, these vending machines, well, by their nature, they are self-operational and require no additional manpower beyond the replenishing of items. Uh, secondly, it's a good marketing technique, I think, since customers can get access to these meals around the clock. All they have to do is to take these frozen packed meals back home, uh, microwave them, heat them up, and they really get a taste of uh, the restaurant standard meal at home. Wow. And, and thirdly, as you pointed out, uh, with fewer people dining out, this allows eateries to, in a sense, since the meals are frozen packed, the shelf life of the ingredients are in a way prolonged and this helps them to cut down on food waste as well. So there are numerous advantages to this trend I see. Yeah, indeed. I mean, looking at it, if I were a business owner, I would think about that. I mean, it's just just the cost of the ingredients, say, in a sandwich, but uh, even um, physical labor, right? So that is the point. This podcast is available on our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Like us and rate us. And now, back to our podcast episode. 
you've spoken to a wide uh, variety of people for for the story that you did and i'm wondering whether you got an insight into what makes these vending machines especially good from the business point of view and um also i was wondering if there are some businesses where vending machines just won't work even though japan has so much has this vending machine culture right i i don't quite have the figures on me but i i think what makes vending machines a good deal is really it's a low maintenance cost so of course there's the startup cost involved there's a growing trend of such you know vending machine select shops or cafes as we have it in Singapore where uh where basically a holding company licenses space to eateries for instance for them to set up vending machines so i, I think there's a startup cost uh involved in 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 signing the contract but beyond that really maintenance fees are low um the machine is just there and and so since it's operational around the clock it's basically allows businesses to be in business to be open around the clock and this i must say is unlike other models like convenience stores which are equally popular in japan which are also everywhere in japan uh unlike convenience stores which have to be manned uh pretty much all the time even though japan has this recent push towards self automated convenience stores but in, in in the case of convenience stores a recent labor shortage has led to this rethink of the round the clock 24 hour 7 day a week model that would have otherwise been considered unthinkable in the past and the vending machine kind of circumvents all these issues i think so uh, we in, in terms of manpower as you mentioned earlier we we see how uh, vending machines are productive and efficient especially in the more casual eateries like ramen stores so um so customers just buy a meal ticket and 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 pass it on to the chef or the server and and so this this process kind of reduces the need for a waiter or waitress to take orders and and kind of speeds up the process um as for cases where vending machines have not quite worked i to be honest i can't think of anything at the top of my head at the moment but i i think one thing that has set japan back in terms of the inventiveness of items that it can dispense from vending machines as compared to places like singapore for instance where you mentioned um chili crab earlier i think um well japan until recently has had tough laws against the automated dispensing of raw meat uh, for instance so this has made vending machines a non-starter for say selling wagyu beef for instance for the longest time i think that's interesting but like you say pretty much anything can come out of a vending machine in japan so tell me what is the weirdest product that you've ever seen coming out of a vending machine well i've i've not personally seen it but i i thought the concept behind the matchmaking agency vending machine as as we discussed earlier was incredibly weird uh especially in this age where you know people can find romance on their mobile phones through apps like tinder and what not so uh and and i i i thought this concept was very strange as well so how it basically works from what i understand and what from what i've seen from local media reports is that uh a customer basically inserts 3000 yen into the vending machine and 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 which basically lays out their prospective romance uh interest by their age uh i i think their faces remain anonymous so by their age and i, I and i think some particular defining characteristic of the potential romantic interest so 
uh, they get the can on which the slip on a slip of paper is a phone number to the to a matchmaking counselor from the agency. So this counselor would then uh have a one on one session with the buyer to to gauge the compatibility with the romantic interest that they purchase uh, before setting up a face-to-face meeting which could involve, say, a dinner date, for instance, which, of course, comes with additional costs. So, in a way, I, I'm i not sure if it actually will work, but, but, but well, whatever, whatever works, I guess. Yeah, I mean, that sounds even more convoluted than, you know, the traditional matchmaking, you know, that goes on between family acquaintances and that kind of thing. You know, it's exactly. you tell someone and someone else tells someone. And yeah, so I'm just wondering what the draw is. I'm not sure if it's the young people that are targets for, you know, these this kind of market. Exactly. It's, it's, it's very strange, but but I guess, well, well Japan... In, in Japan, there's this trend of the hikikomori or basically societal recluses. And, and so I, I guess this could be a way to help people who are uncomfortable with face-to-face interaction to find love. I'm not quite sure mm-hmm. what the appeal is, basically. That's but a very niche market. <laughs> it, it is a very niche market, okay. as you say. Oh, yes. Sorry, going back to your question, if I may add as well, um, the weirdest well, it's not quite the weirdest product, but the weirdest place I've seen a vending machine is really at the top of Mount Fuji, which I must say is 3,776 meters high. And, and this makes replenishing the vending machines a chore, I think. But but that that's a lifesaver, really. Uh, it really helped quench my thirst when I scaled Mount Fuji some years ago. And, and even though those bottled drinks cost like four to five times more than they would, at ground level and and for obviously good reasons. Wow, that that really is remarkable. Yeah, I mean, who lugged it up all the way there, and then who, like you say, replenishes it? Exactly. Wow. This that that would have added to the labor cost, I think, which was why the drinks are so expensive. <laughs> exactly, but somehow it still makes sense in Japan. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I've been wondering. I mean, so as we discussed, there's a clear business sense for it, and there is a consumer preference for it. So it's a happy, I guess, match of these two things. But you know, having seen. Like, like you say, uh, Japan's vending machine culture goes back all the way to the Meiji era and uh, all the way. So it's sustained and it's kept up with the, you know, uh, changing trends uh, in Japanese society. So I'm wondering, looking at it today, um, what does it tell you? I mean, what what do vending machines, what what can they tell you? Can they be a fortune telling machines for what about Japan's broader you know, economic trends or demographic trends or social trends. Have you given that any thought? Right. It's it's interesting that you use the term fortune telling machines because I I, I do see uh, a growing trend of even shrines and temples turning to vending machines for really? <laughs> exactly. Uh, so so in, in the past when 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 people go to shrines and temples and want their fortune told, it used to be a very manual process where they shake this dispenser in a sense get a stick with a number from which they draw the lot from which from which there's a drawer with the number and they have to open the drawer and take out the lot to see what their fortune is but uh, there are some shrines and temples in japan where they're 
which have turned to vending machines where where basically the whole process is automated. The, the person inserts a coin into the machine, which then dispenses their fortune. <laughs> Even shrines and temples are turning to vending machines uh, as well. So, so I think what this shows is that, you know, machines are here to stay and will continue to shapeshift, I think, according to the broader demographic and socioeconomic trends, especially now and going forward in the future when Japan has this growing attention on automation amid a labor shortage. This labor shortage uh, is both due to the country's aging and shrinking population, uh, definitely, uh, as well as in recent years, of course, uh, COVID-19 border restrictions has led to a shortage in labor uh, since foreign workers cannot come in especially in rural Japan where populations are shrinking and as such where opening a convenience store may not make much commercial sense. Uh, But even in a big city like Tokyo, I I think what the prevalence of vending machines suggests is the importance that Japan places on convenience. Uh, And vending machines have become all the more convenient in recent years since most machines now accept cashless payment options. So you could just walk on the street and get a drink in your hand within seconds without so much as breaking a step or making a detour into a convenience store. This is how convenient it has become uh, of late. I, I think the bigger picture issue that has made vending machines so successful and popular in Japan as well uh, is that we have to note the country's low crime rate as well. So what this kind of means is that, you know, the vending machines can effectively be left outdoors overnight uh, without much concerns of theft, vandalism or other forms of abuse. And I, and I, I think this point has made the vending machine culture in Japan really successful and would the key ingredient to the continued success of vending machines uh, in the years to come as well. Okay, so that pretty much means vending machines are here to stay. And Walter, we hope that, uh, you know, when you go for one of these lottery-type machines, we hope you win a ticket to Singapore. (laughs) I hope so too. So thank you, Walter. And that's a wrap for Letter from the Bureau. We hope you enjoyed it. If you'd like to read Walter's column, we have a link for you in our podcast description box. You will also find there a link to other stories in our Letter from the Bureau series. The Asian Insider Podcast channel is also available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Like us and rate us.